welcome to episode 8 of the People Still Read Books podcast. I am Will Leach, still the host. I feel like it's been an active weekend. <laughs> um, after a few weeks, a few days, who knows how long it's been. We have a new president-elect. Took a week off to absorb that and from this podcast, and frankly, I'm glad that I did. <laughs> I think it was kind of required. But nevertheless, we're back. Back to our weekly shows. Remind you to subscribe to us at Still Read Books on Twitter. Email me, people still read books at gmail.com if you'd like to be on, or like one of your authors to be on, or however you feel. This week, we have a timely guest, to say the very least. Um, the day after the election was resolved and a winner was called, we got terrible news. In that Alex Trebek, the host, longtime host of Jeopardy, had died of pancreatic cancer at the age of 80. I taped this podcast today with Claire McNair, who is the longtime Ringer author and author of the book, Answers in the Form of Questions, A Definitive History and Insider's Guide to Jeopardy, which comes out Tuesday, November 10th. <laughs> Literally comes out two days after he died. We taped this before. Alex Trebek died, but obviously uh, we knew he was ill, and Claire talked about her interview with him and what it's been like for him to be on the show. But just keep that in mind when you listen to this episode that uh, we did not know, actually. Uh, so that was beforehand. We actually didn't know who the president was, by the way, when the election was resolved either. I fit in a lot of stuff before the election started getting too hairy. But anyway, the book is Answers in the Form of Questions, A Definitive History and Insider's Guide to Jeopardy. Claire McNair is awesome. This book is really, really fun if you like Jeopardy. It is, you will love it. It is, frankly, a pretty awesome holiday gift for uh, that crosses over to any family uh, that, you know, maybe are grumbling about the election. And it's a nice little tribute to what Alex Trebek had built. So this week, it is Claire McNair's Answers in the Form of Questions, A Definitive History and Insider's Guide to Jeopardy. Be safe out there. And hey, Joe Biden won, so that's good. Claire, thank you for coming on, and thank you for writing this book. I have to tell you, uh, I have a million uh, answers slash questions, and I'm sure I will be the four millionth person to make that joke uh, when talking about this book, and I apologize in advance. <laughs> um, it's such a pleasure to be here. You know, this this to me, one of the many great things about Jeopardy and one of the many great things the, about the book, uh, there is a, a, one of the things I think the thing I love about the, the book, there is a sense of both cu obvious curiosity, but also like such good cheer, uh, the, 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 the tone you have in the book about something that, frankly, I feel like is as universal thing as it exists in American society. <laughs> my, my children, I have, I have children who are a third grader and a first grader. They know none of the answers to any of these questions, and they love Jeopardy. It is the ultimate like Thanksgiving thing. Like Everyone can kind of enjoy it. And what's what, one of the many things I love about the book, it's that appeal has always seemed somewhat mystical to me. Like It's just a quiz show game, and obviously everybody likes Alex Trebek, but it, it, there's something about it uh, that seems it, it's almost mysterious to me how it, how it could pull this off. And one of the many great things about the book is I feel like you're able to dig into that kind of uh, – uh, dig into the details of the show and how it all works and the nuts and bolts of it, but it still feels like kind of like how – it's still a little bit of a mystery of how it is so universal. What are, were you, Have you always been – like obviously I've read this stuff you've done for The Ringer. I know you've done 
a, a lot of stuff on Jeopardy. But is this has this always been a passion? Like, did you watch this all the time as a kid? Yeah, I mean, it was certainly something that you know was on in my household. Like, it was like you know, Jeopardy's always part of the background, right? It's so universal, like you were saying. Like, it is just always, always, always there. So it was a thing that I would watch with my parents. I definitely was not like a diehard Jeopardy person. Um, And then, you know, I went to college. I didn't have cable. After college, I didn't have cable. And then my now fiance and I moved in together. And I remember like realizing one day that, oh my God, we could DVR Jeopardy and watch Jeopardy every night. And it was just like this so grown up thing that we could, you know, (laughs) we've made it. Um, So that kind of led to me uh, getting more curious about the show. And I, you know, I'm lucky enough to work for a website where they sort of just encourage you to write about your passions. So I was able to just report on Jeopardy more and more. And that somehow turned into a book. What is it about the show? Just from your from your experience, now that you've seen the show from the inside out, I want to get into the details of that. But have you could you come up with a unified theory of Jeopardy of why my my first grader, who again like doesn't know, I mean, he, I mean, try watching him pronounce the word potpourri uh, <laughs> is just funny in its own, right? There's like eight poop jokes in that. Um, but so he doesn't know any answers, but he loves Jeopardy, and 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 my and I have family members. I have cousins who um, who I would say have sent me a lot of vote counting conspiracy things over Facebook in the last week and a half, and therefore are not exactly the type of people that I agree with on about anything. And they love Jeopardy. Like, can you, for having been to the inside out, can you? What is it about the show that you think has lasted not just now, but obviously for for decades and decades? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a combination of of um, two things. One is that it's a good game, and the other is that it's a good show. And those are, I think, different things. So it, you know, the the game itself is. You know, there aren't really frills to Jeopardy. It's just 61 questions. There's hardly any time to do anything but have, you know, Alex Trebek read the clues and contestants ring in. That's like, you know, you get the moment of the Q&A, you get the hello, you get the goodbye, but that's it. It's just this, it doesn't really change, right? You can watch a Jeopardy episode from decades ago and it's nearly exactly the same. And, And they've done a really good job with the kind of show element of it where they know that that's sort of the appeal, this clean trivia game that crams as much in as, as humanly possible in a half hour. Um, but but it's they've they've done a really good job kind of balancing the difficulty of it. So it is something that, you know, it's it's fun even if you only get a few clues, right? Like you're just trying to get one before the contestants on the stage and you feel really good about it. So it's it's fun <laughs> for kids too in a weird way. I you know, I remember when I was a kid my grandmother had like an old, an old board game version of it with like little the, the little slips that you pulled out the 400 and you pulled the 600 and it was all Art Fleming. Like, and I, I find it really funny because now it feels like I feel like Alex Trebek and I, I feel like he's such obviously such a big part of this. Alex Trebek is kind of in the Vin Scully like there's just nothing he could like. I always put that in the list of people that I just really don't want to find that are secretly Trump supporters to ruin like everything that I've always liked about them. <laughs> and I feel like Trebek is kind of on that a little. For the record, if you're worried about that in this book, it is not revealed. Alex <laughs> Trebek is a Trump supporter, so you can still read the book. Uh, it's not like the an expose of Alex Trebek's life. 
But there is something about Trebek. I remember when I was a kid seeing him on Classic Concentration uh, as well, which is a much sillier show uh, than this. And it felt not right. I feel like his suits were like louder than they were. Yeah, he used to do some kind of wacky outfits. What is it about him and the combination of him and this show? Because again, I'd seen him on other shows and it doesn't, I mean, he's just, then he's just a game show host. But here he is this kind of sort of uh, not only awk of wisdom, but like this center of of a, a certain kind of nobility, even civility. Yeah. I mean, I, I think to some degree, what has made Alex Trebek on Jeopardy such an enduring success, such an icon, really, is that he kind of does walk the walk. Like, he really does think that these obscure facts about history are genuinely really important. Like, he thinks you should know exactly what the capitals of every country in the world are and where you could find them and what their altitude is. He considers that to be, like, important information. And I've talked to so many contestants who have said that, you know, that that kind of final Jeopardy chit-chat when he comes over to congratulate the champion Nine times out of 10, he's just kind of lightly scolding the person who missed it or, you know, being like, oh, how did you work that out? Like he's he loves trivia. And and so it's, you know, he he's just kind of the perfect host in that sense. Yeah, I think I think it's a it's a, with Ted Berg, our, uh, yeah. our, our, our friends, uh, Ted Berg, who, yeah, he he gets scolded at the end of uh, his episodes. I thought it was very funny. Uh, right. On a one where they all missed it, too. Right. Yeah, so yeah, three exactly, people just exactly. really down on themselves. And Trebek's like, how could you not know it was Kilauea? Yeah, it's just like that doesn't help. Like that doesn't help to get like I already felt bad, Alex. Uh, but you know, I think I think that speaks to it too. Is there is uh, you know I, I have a I have a friend that that was on Jeopardy, and he actually had come out of the Quiz Bowl world. In fact, he was a journalist, and he'd written a long piece about Quiz Bowl and and all the circuits and all the things that kind of went on and how uh, you know and how basically and we'll get to Ken Jennings, but like. You know, that was an outgrowth of that, right? They, like, I think we, I, uh, but until I'd read that piece years ago, I'd had this vision that like everyone that was on Jeopardy was like me, you know, someone that's just kind of smart and thinks they can figure this stuff out. And maybe I pass the test and get on. And you realize, no, it is actually the, like for the culmination of like almost even like minor leagues uh, in a, in a certain side of level. And I'm curious too, because you know, that feels like something that's happened a lot in the last few years. I think with the emergence of Jennings, there has almost been like a money ballization uh, of Jeopardy. And was that always the case? Because like, if the thing to me is amazing to me is that Jeopardy not only is the obvious most popular thing, it's also the goal. Like, it's actually also still the the championship. It's uh, for for a lot of the, these these really smart people. It's it's not just like I got on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and won a million dollars. Like, yeah, but nobody actually considers you smart. But if you go on Jeopardy and win, it really does feel like this 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 place, this proof of intelligence in a way that on the most popular show, which feels like never hap- never happens in American culture. Yeah, I mean, I think Moneyball is absolutely the right um, comparison. I think right now we are at this moment of kind of like when Moneyball was published, where it used to be that only, um, you know, a small number of, of contestants really, really prepared, really kind of exploited inefficiencies and, and dug into the data. And now it's, it's sort of the latter stage of Moneyball where it's not just the A's doing it anymore. And it's not just, a, you know, enough to, to win the championship. Like everybody's sort of figuring it out. And if you look at somebody like James Holtzhauer, 
who really, really capitalized on a lot of these strategies, really kind of ruthlessly prepared for, for his appearances, I think that has done so much to popularize this idea that that is kind of the norm. So I think we are seeing this sort of money ballification of, of Jeopardy right now, just in the last five years. Like it's not just flipping through flashcards of the presidents anymore. Yeah, I thought it was funny. Holtzhauser, a University of Illinois graduate, by the way. So love, uh, love to the Illini. And, but he, uh, he's from the gambling world, right? Like he's kind of from he. Not, I, he he's from that kind of probability. So I, I thought it was funny that like a lot of old champions sounded a little bit like uh, John Smoltz on my baseball broadcast. We're like, well, we don't know, uh, uh, like we don't know about when he's jumping around the board and all of that. And, and I'm curious, has there been a backlash to it? I? And, and that leads into the my, the next thing, which is really the fans for Jeopardy are so deep and so obsessive and so like well, so so pushed into this stuff uh it, do they like is everybody love this new moneyballization and how professionalized it's become uh, well i think the key thing to note is that you know james holzhauer did not himself really invent any of those strategies he just really used them better than anybody ever had like the forest bounce which is what people refer to the kind of um, bouncing around the board that was invented by like Chuck Forrest was a contestant in 1985 like that has been around right. since the second season of, of the Trebek version of the show so Holtzauer didn't exactly like break the game he was just really really good at exploiting those those methods um, and I, I, so I think you do have these kind of older fans fans from like the early years of the show um who who want it to play out in that traditional way that kind of like top down the board one category at the time and that doesn't that's not really happening anymore like i think that's still the default because Holtzauer was successful not just because he used those strategies but also because he was really damn good at them and and most contestants can't do that but um i think that I think that that's a, a, a shrinking minority of people who are kind of scandalized by that. What about the the the, Je- the Jeopardy archive fan group? To me, that that is this exhaustive thing. I talked about my friend that was on the show. Uh, I have had a delight watching and reading the recaps of his episodes because he he won twice and just to hear not just to hear the breakdown of all the things that he did and why he didn't do that that fan base to me when did that because like jeopardy obviously has been along for, around for a long time but it is fascinating to me that it is the sort of show that lends itself to that kind of community that that obsessive almost kind of like new uh, alt news fanzine sort of community uh, that the internet seems actually like perfectly suited for. Yeah. I mean, I think that there are absolutely a lot of people who watch Jeopardy the way that like a baseball nut watches sports and are basically keeping scorecards and diligently comparing notes and, you know, debating the finer points of a given night's strategy with, with other people who also watch the game that way. Um, and it, it really does lend itself to that, which is why I think it's it's interesting that we're seeing this kind of like emergence of advanced stats in Jeopardy, because it is something that that you can do. Like you can figure out mathematically where the da- daily double is likeliest to be, and you can go for that. Do you go down the rabbit hole of those boards? Because like I I there I, I have to be careful about it because uh, I I briefly looked at those boards because of my friend's show, and I would I read them for a while because I like Jeopardy. But after a while, I I realized I was doing the I was making the internet problem of watching the. Th- uh, having the experience and then anticipating what the internet reaction to it would be <laughs> yeah. rather than actually enjoying the experience of watching it. And it's like, I tried to, my mother loves Jeopardy. I remember trying to show one of those to her, like, mom, look at this. They like broke down all the things. And she's like, 
Wait, why don't you just watch the show? That's, yeah, that's like, right, yeah. Right, I, I'm I sure that, that you have also had the experience that I have of um, you know being in the press box at like a live sporting event and and looking to Twitter to see you know what what just happened oh when in gosh. fact it's right there on the field in front of you. So yeah, I I, I think that. Um, there's a fine line. I mean, you know, it's not everybody gets enjoyment out of that sort of ruthless <laughs> pouring over the stats after the game. But um, a lot of those people were, you know, they're, they're so generous with, with their time and with their wisdom in this kind of like niche, right? So it, it made reporting for the book such a joy because, you know, what, as with anything, I think once you show that you're willing to to listen to somebody's obsession and kind of, you know, give it the, the time and respect that it, it deserves in their opinion, they're just so open about it. Yeah, it's quite an immense database of stuff to work off. <laughs> I actually love, there's a great section of the book where um, you talk about how uh, uh, contestants that have snuck on the show twice and apparently, and if I make sure I'm telling it correctly, but one uh, candidate got snuck on and won again, and they've like scrubbed her episodes from the from the. Internet. She's like the white whale for for J archive. <laughs> she absolutely is. Her name is Barbara Lowe, and she was this sort of um, she she competed in the '80s, I believe, and had you know competed under aliases on other game shows, which at the time was was very much verboten, and and she also sort of famously gave Trebek a hard time. Like she she gloated when she got questions right. She challenged Trebek on stage. And, you know, it's it's, it's a lot like tennis where you're supposed to sort of meekly raise a finger at the commercial break if, if you think there's a dispute for the judge. You know, she was not doing that. And uh, it, was, it was kind of so fractious that they uninvited her from um, the Tournament of Champions and and have scrubbed her episode. So yeah, she, like her, the tapes of her games are like this sacred thing that the diehard Jeopardy community really, really wants to find. Yeah, like the World Trade Center Simpsons episode. The one that like, <laughs> yes, like, you like, can't find on right, right. Um And I, I think a lot of that really, we, I feel like we got to get back to Trebek a little bit because, you know, to me so much of not just the show's enjoyment, he is – and I wonder if that's part of the show's mysticism too because there's something about him that is both affable but also unknowable. Like when I see like a, a contestant who is – um has a little bit of a let's make of a deal vibe rather than a Jeopardy vibe, I would say. Half the curiosity in front of it for me is saying, okay, how's Trebek going to handle this guy? <laughs> how's Trebek going to do with that? And I'm curious, like, does he have like an overarching – attitude about the contestants i know he, he he wants them to know stuff but like th- there's such a, a quiet smooth professionalism but when he's irritated you can definitely tell yeah i mean i i think that um to some degree and this is a credit to him he is playing a character he is very keenly aware of the fact that people in the audience, like his disappointed dad act. And so he definitely likes to take a moment to sort of ham it up and roll his eyes at, at a really weird hobby that somebody has just mentioned during a Q&A. Or, but, you know, if you're in the studio with him, you you realize just how much work he's actually doing. Like, it's such a fast game. And he really has this kind of masterful ability to just subtly pace contestants. And, and especially in the last few years with contestants like Austin Rogers or Buzzy Cohen, it, they're they're these kind of like wacky zany contestants are also really really good at trivia really good at jeopardy but they were you know kind of trying to get in their own little jabs and make a silly face or or whatever and and he seemed to sort of get into that himself which which made it like he's he's so willing and able to kind of play the straight man to his contestants so how many episodes did you actually get to have we physically in the studio to watch 
I actually have only been there for the filming of a single tournament, actually physically in in um, the studio. So I think that's only about ten episodes in all. But I have was that the tournament? Is that the tournament that they didn't like? Yeah, that was the All Star Games exactly. So that was the the team competition. They taped that in early 2019, um, and <laughs> the, the actual contestants, who of course were like the you know 15 of the most storied Jeopardy contestants ever, including Ken Jennings, Brad Rutter. Uh, they, they were all a little prickly about it afterwards, at least those who would kind of talk about it on the record, um, of just, you know, it's, it's tough to make Jeopardy into a team competition. And I think that, that, um, you know, the kind of person who does really well in Jeopardy is not necessarily the kind of person who's, who's willing to tolerate somebody screwing up double Jeopardy for them. <laughs> so <laughs> and Trebek didn't seem to like it either. Cause I, I think that that speaks to, I think one of the more fascinating things, cause to me, when I talk about the mysticism and kind of you unlock it, what's fascinating to me is to realize that, you know, we forget that Jeopardy is, I remember thinking this when Letterman ended, like when Letterman ended, um, you had all the people on the show that worked on. It, they're like, "Oh, wait, I have to find another job now." Like I always imagine, you forget that like this is a workplace and this is a well-oiled workplace where people have been doing this for years and years and years and years and years. And I think one of the things about Jeopardy that what's fascinating about that section when you talk about the All Star Tournament is everyone's like vaguely annoyed because it's different than what the, than what than what they usually do. Yeah, uh, and actually Jeopardy is about to do its second team tournament. I, certainly, my takeaway from reporting that section was that they were pretty much done with with trying to have teams on on the show. But they uh, they just announced that they're going to do the next college tournament. And some sort of team format. I think my, my suspicion is they really want to lean into the quiz bowl side of it um, a little bit because that is where a lot of the contestants come from. But we'll, we'll see how it goes because Trebek was absolutely not a fan last time. And I, but I think that speaks to that idea that like it is this well-oiled machine. And you talk about how his longtime producer uh, was leaving the show, and there are changes clearly coming. Obviously, he has had uh, ill health. He seems to be doing okay. I'm, I, I feel like it feels obscene to even say that Alex Trebek might be ill. <laughs> he's just one of those people that like admitting that he might uh, that he's dealing with something feels. I don't know. I can't quite put my finger on why that feels strange. It feels right? like a betrayal, right? Like you mean you're not going to host. Jeopardy for the next 50 years. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And and I and I know there've been discussions in the past of people taking over or Anderson Cooper or so on, but and and I and I'm sure, you know, the price is right is wasn't the same without Bob Barker, but it's still going. But it is not the same to any stretch of the imagination. And I'm curious, do, when you talk to him or when you talk to people around the show, how much do they consider him the center of really not just everything that makes the show work, but makes everybody feel like this is the well-oiled machine and the job that we go out and produce this stuff constantly? Yeah, I mean, I think that he absolutely is Jeopardy's center of gravity and, and has been for um, decades. But it, but a thing that... Um, I was surprised by as I talked to more people who work on the show is, is, you know, as a viewer, even as somebody who had reported on the show for a while, you kind of do feel like Trebek is the boss. But in fact, you know, when you're on the set, that that's the executive producer who's the boss and, and Trebek really is, you know, kind of the talent who comes in and does his job and then he gets the hell out. Like he's, he's just there to host and then he's done. Um, so, you know, it is this weird time of transition for a show that just doesn't really change in, in normal life. Um, so they have had their, you know, longtime executive producer step down and, and there's a new guy named Mike Richards in there, um, who's kind of a game show vet, uh, but known for sort of, uh, flashy shows that are not very Jeopardy-like at all. 
uh, the head of their contestant department just retired. Uh, so it, it really is this this strange time of change for Jeopardy. Yeah, I mean, I have people who I have friends who are still angry about the Clue Crew. Like they've been around for twenty years, like fifteen years, or however long it's been. Like they've been around forever, and they're still like every time they come up or when they have the celebrity pop up to read the clues, it's like no, that's it's like slows the, the whole game down. <laughs> yeah. And it does feel, and that's and again, maybe this gets back to the mysticism of the show, but it just feels like this egg that it, it, it it's such a, like this perfect little object. And as you say, like it's just so quick, and and there's no there's no fat on the whole thing. Like I, I, I that one of the things I found reading your book was. Not only, wow, this is, tells me so much great information about this show that I love and have loved for a long time. In a way, at times it feels almost like a document of something that may be gone soon. Did, did, did you feel that way while, while, you were, while you were putting it together? That was really kind of a moment I was trying to capture uh, because there, there aren't a lot of shows like Jeopardy. There aren't a lot of shows, you know, for, for viewers or for people who work on shows like that. Like it really is this, this rare beast, this kind of last of a, a dying breed. And um you know, I don't think Jeopardy is going anywhere. And, and Alex Trebek is the first to say that Jeopardy will continue long after he he departs the show after he retires, um, because it's just a really good game. Like it, it it does just work. Like there's nothing broken about it. And that's actually what the new EP told me. Like he was not brought in to fix Jeopardy, um, which is you know kind of a nice assignment for him. Like he gets to tinker with new things, but he does need to like rework the whole the whole show. Um, but yeah, I, I mean it's. For me, it was a moment both to kind of dig into and celebrate what has made the show so good, but also, yeah, look at look at the future because it's it's in this kind of probably the twilight years of of the Jeopardy that we know. How are you at Jeopardy? <laughs> I have to. I gotta know. I feel like it's, I feel like it's it's such a big part because again, that's part of the fun. We all we all we all play at home and. You know, one of the things that uh, you talk about celebrity Jeopardy, there's a great line, uh, forgive me, uh, the name of Conan O'Brien's... Uh, oh, Andy Richter. Fo- Andy Richter, fellow University of Illinois uh, graduate. Uh, he has this great joke about like, yeah, I was good at celebrity Jeopardy, but I'd probably get killed. <laughs> right, right. And then he called it dumb, dumb, pretty people Jeopardy. Jeopardy. Yeah, yeah, right. right, right. And I've always thought of myself as celebrity Jeopardy good uh, college Jeopardy, probably maybe average, and actual Jeopardy below average. Uh, how, how are you at Jeopardy? I, I honestly am am lousy. I just so don't have that uh, that that trivia brain. Like I just can't do that kind of fast recall. I love it, uh, but I you know I will never be on the Jeopardy stage for a lot of very good reasons. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know I. I I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier, where it is still fun to watch, though, even if you are not the person who would have won that night's Jeopardy. Like, you can still kind of convince yourself that you were, because you knew that one thing that just happened to be perfectly in your wheelhouse. Oh, there's nothing quite like when someone has just run the board on all sorts of things that you don't know, but they don't know something that. Oh yeah, yeah. This twerp. (laughs) You actually have a sex. You have a section about this with with how bad people are are at at sports. Yeah, it's it, I, to me, it, it did feel a lot like covering a sport where it's like, oh, thank God nobody ever wants me to hold a baseball bat. <laughs> but I got to talk to the people who were very good at it. No, I mean the section. I mean the section where you talk about how the, you have a brief little moment in there about how uh, uh, how I, as you as a sports fan and me as a sports fan, when you watch oh, really, yeah. really really smart people know nothing about sports. Yeah, it's very, it's very satisfying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, it really that that for me. Um, 
was kind of one of the surprises of uh, writing about it that, of course, is not very surprising when you really think about it. But it, Jeopardy is such a major part of television that I think I certainly always watched it like you do a professional sporting event, at least in the sense that it's it's so ubiquitous and you can kind of, you know, be like, oh, how could that idiot not know that? You know, in the same way, you know, how could LeBron miss that? But in fact, they are these really sincere trivia nerds who've been working towards this show for for decades in many cases. So it's a, it's a strange combination of those two. Yeah, you know, I thought that, and this can bring us full circle to like the good cheer of the book. It is remarkable to me. Like I've read a book about the World Series of Poker, and I will say that I don't know how much I would enjoy a lot of time personally in the presence of a lot of World Series of Poker champions. I just don't know if there might be. I don't know if, don't know if, <laughs> if, 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 that's, if that's that's my that's my group. But I feel like I would love the 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 average person that's on Jeopardy. There's there's a certain. I think Ken Jennings kind of represents this, right? Like he's this he's this uh, smart, like smart, very uh, affable, seemingly harmless, uh, but ruthless competitor, but also funny and like very funny on Twitter. And like this clearly, he wrote the forward to your book. He's this very cheerful guy. I do you think there's something? Because I feel like Jennings always almost was like the perfect avatar of what Je- what we kind of want Jeopardy to be. Whereas like that moneymaker guy in the World Series, but like, yeah, that's that's the guy that wins the World Series of poker. But Jeopardy, there's something almost like like uh, winning about this dorky, uh, not this dorky affable chap uh, being absolutely dominant at this game. Yeah, I mean, like, that's the great, beautiful myth of Jeopardy, right? That, that you know, the, the housewife can just show up and win the show or, you know, the, the plumber who happens to have like a PhD in archaeology or whatever the, the joke from the Weird Al song is. But yeah, yeah. it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it is this place where... Um, you know, there, it, there's just so much sincerity. It really was a lovely place to spend like a year <laughs> writing this this book, especially with that year being 2020, where you just kind oh, yeah. of it's it's such a weird thing to be good at, and um, it's it's really just a, a joy to get to live in that world for a second. Okay, so I asked this of everyone. Uh, this is the last question because you've uh, again. Uh, I'm this is posting later, but just to let everybody know, uh, Claire and I are talking when they may announce a new president, like any second now. So it is amazing to me how how patient we've both been by constantly looking at the trivia. And like, did they announce Pennsylvania yet? Have they announced? So so forgive me for for that. I don't want to take you too much longer because there's there are mimosas to be had today. I think, um, but I would. Uh, I have you gotten because you know. Your book, uh, a lot, a lot is coming out in the in the middle of the pandemic. My book comes out in May. Hopefully, it won't be in the middle of the pandemic, but you never know. Uh, I, but have you gotten to have that moment where they sent you the books and you open them? Maybe it was in galley form, or more, that moment where this thing you worked or so on. Uh, w- w- did you get to have that moment? And what did it feel like when you opened up the box and there were all the books? Oh man, it's I mean, it's a terrible thing that they did to the trees. For, for no, it's true. <laughs> ah, screw trees. Screw them. But no, I had this really exciting moment where I built this kind of preposterous mini Jeopardy library of all basically all the books that have ever been written that even were in part about Jeopardy. Um, And it was really exciting to kind of get to just tuck my own book up there. Um, So that was weird and sensational. 
Oh wow, that's uh, that's that's like that's the best one. I've ever met. <laughs> it's a very specific library. I'm probably the only person who has such a collection. <laughs> that's great. No, that's my favorite part. Now, now I'm gonna look at my library, see like a section of books that I really love, and write something about it. So I can like the. I, it's funny because I talked to David Hill, who did the Vapors. You know David Hill from uh, the old Grantland days, and his book is really great. But his book also came out in the pandemic, and he said actually I had the worst possible experience of this because because of this and they weren't able to ship my my books got delayed when they shipped them to my apartment in Brooklyn so I had to go pick them up like far away so I was just seeing other people looking at my book on Instagram <laughs> and I'm like that must be I felt like that would be so hard like half the fun of it is being able to open that book that was the worst best one this was the best one I think <laughs> I'm this honored my favorite one <laughs> okay okay it is a weird year. It is a weird year. Um, uh, Claire, I love the book. This, this is, I, I'm, I cannot emphasize enough. This is the, if you are looking for, hmm, I cannot figure out what to get that relative that I probably should not have any serious conversations with right now, but I know I'll have some sort of universal thing. Uh, this is the book. This is the book. Again, it's Answers in the Form of Questions, A Definitive History and Insider's Guide to Jeopardy, with a forward by Ken Jennings, but I prefer Claire's writing, no offense to Ken, uh, in this book. Uh, it's a wonderful book. Congratulations on it. And I I, I have to say this. I, I just want you to know that like reading this again, you know, there are books about the insider stuff of, 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 uh, of, of, you know, American institutions and so on. And there is something about like, this made me feel better about Jeopardy. I didn't feel bad about Jeopardy at all, but it's not like I, maybe there's an expose to be written. If there is, I don't want to read it, but this is, has the good cheer of the show and made me feel good about the world in this and all the hours I've spent watching uh, of my life watching this show. Yeah. I mean, it was, for me, it was a very, very soothing, uh, joyful thing to work on this year. So if I can give somebody a couple days of that as they read it, I feel like my job is done. Uh, well, you did that. Uh, and frankly, I read this during the last two weeks of the presidential election. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just so you know, that's how soothing it was. Uh, Claire, keep up the, the great work. Uh, I love your work at The Ringer as well. Please keep up the great work. I love the book. Congratulations on it. And thanks for, thanks for yammering me with me for a while. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Of course, answers in the form of questions, definitive history and insider's guide to Jeopardy! Exclamation point. Have a good one, everyone. Be safe. We'll talk to you next week. Buy the book. Claire's great. Bye.